Hello, everyone, and welcome to season one of the Spacemakers podcast, celebrating the people behind some of our most beloved artists, directors, business minds, and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Kathy Pierre. On today's episode, we talk to executive producer, journalist, and host of Big Brother Canada and fellow Canadian, Arissa Cox. Arissa's journey from reality television star to celebrated media personality was the definition of unconventional, and there were folks clearing the path every step of the way. Arissa Cox. Hello, my dear friend. <laughs> it is Thank so you. nice to be sitting down with you. You look gorgeous. Um, we're far away, too far away. Um, but that will change. It will change. It will. Coming. So I want to talk about your incredible journey. Like, incredible. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not, listen, that's a big word. <laughs> you know what? I really do feel very, very grateful. Um, in general, weirdly, I think that's something that has always, always kind of been part of my personality anyway. So that's... Um, it's good because I think I meet some people who I don't think are grateful. And sometimes I realize I have to be more grateful. Um, it's a really good way of staying positive no matter what else is happening. Absolutely, and present, um, right? In order for- Yeah, you know, I, think, I think that might be, that, that might be, if I had a superpower, that might be it. I mean, I wish I had the superpower of not needing sleep because what there's so much I can do, Kathy. <laughs> so much I can do, but I need sleep. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good superpower to have is just feeling constantly like in awe of the blessings that you have and are all around you. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And we want to, in this podcast, it's all about celebrating the people that have helped to get you there. So mm -hmm. I want to talk about your like your college experience like you went to Carleton University one of the prestigious programs in Canada and you know how was that journey there did you have mentors throughout college how did they shape you know where you um journeyed to well, you know when, when we talk about school for one my mom uh was a teacher and I think she really did instill that love of learning early mm -hmm. and I was a bookworm and my daughter now is a bookworm. It's very cool to see. But um, for me, my like journey through education really began in elementary and high school. Um, can, I, can we, can we say that we went to school together? Is that a thing? Absolutely. <laughs> So, um, so Kathy and I, uh, we went to uh, Claude Watson School for the Arts, which was um, an arts-focused elementary school, and then followed into the arts program in, in high school. Um, and I was uh, like an art major, a visual art major. Um, but I would I would say very jack of all trades ish, but not great at not great enough at anything that I could be any of those things. Okay. <laughs> if that I means people, anything. I need you to not listen to anything that she's actually saying right now because no, 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 no. because she's an incredible visual artist and an incredible writer at that age. I bear witness okay. to the awesomeness of Arissa okay. in elementary school and high school. So no. 
multifaceted at a very young age. Okay, but this this is what I mean to say. What I mean to say is that before I ended up at Carleton University for journalism, I was surrounded by um, all of these incredible artists, and I think I'm I I think I'm someone who has always been really inspired by the people sort of um, like laterally, if that means anything. Um, it was never always like, look at this, you know, famous person or look at this amazing author or, or, or artist or whatever. I was constantly looking around and in awe of the talent around me all the time. And, and I mean, like your There's talent. a lot of it. There was a yes. lot of it in our Sarah Polly or what, pardon me? There was a lot of it in our school too. Like you said, just Sarah Polly. There was just like. A lot. A lot. Yeah. So I think for me, I was always like, wow, wow. Um, but weirdly, I think this thing I felt that I could do the best was write. And I don't know what happened. I think I did lose a bit of confidence in, in high school. Um, and sometimes that can happen in terms of the idea of unconventional careers, right? If you don't have people around you that you see doing these things um, as a profession, you might be like, well, okay, if I was like way better than I am, then maybe I could do that as my job. But since I'm like, okay, but like at a lot of different things, then maybe if I can write, I can synthesize all that information. Um, and then I can be part of the arts community going forward still because in the ranks of journalism and in our newspapers and, um, and, and the journalism on television, you need arts appreciators. You need people who speak the language of the arts to, I think, um, properly cover the arts. So I was like, okay, perfect. That way I'll sort of keep my fingers in all the pots um, and then I'll still be able to write, which again, I, I chickened out. I could have tried to become a, a novelist, which is what I wanted to do, but I was like, okay, but what, what can you do if you actually want to work, like get a paycheck? <laughs> You're like, <"That's> <laughs> I was like, this is perfect. Um, so when I went to Carlton, I only knew one other person from my high school. Like I, and I, I felt like a lot of guilt about that because I was like, oh my gosh, like, I had all this arts training and I'm not going to be a visual artist or, you know, work in theater or, you know, um, but all that being said, I very much am a go with the flow type. Um, I've never been a five-year plan type of person. Um, and I think being able to be present and, and, and liking what you do and trying to love what you do, I think that's a good place to be. Um, did you have anybody that was encouraging you to go into journalism or was that like, once you made that decision, that was it? Like, was it ever, well, you were like, well, well, maybe I don't want to do that. And I want to <laughs> no. Well, I would say, um, there were a couple of teachers in um, in high school leading up to that that I would say made me think differently about a lot of things. Um, Paula Citrin is is one of those teachers. She taught um, experimental theater and improv, and she's a dance critic for the Globe and Mail to this day. She's a really interesting person, but um, she kind of encouraged that um, not the not the why but the why not aspect of, of sort of going after some crazy stuff like ah. it, 
someone, someone can do it. Why can't that person be you? I think um, just because she also like, she had like no Fs to give, um, but she really did love the arts. And I feel like um, she was really good for, I feel like um, allowing me to think outside the box. And then in grade 10, I, uh, I had this amazing teacher, Mr. Square. I, I uh, took media studies and I was like, bing, 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 bing. I'm like, oh, I get this. I get Spark. this. Spark. I, I get it. I understand it. I understand um, messaging and I, and I love learning about media literacy and all that to this day, it like fascinates me. Um, and I think that's when I was, fr was first like, okay, so journalism is like, maybe something that I could be into. And then I was one of the, I think there was one journalism class in high school. There was. I, took it. I only knew a couple of kids. It was really, really small, but I loved it. I loved it. Um, and I think if, if you're someone who doesn't have one single focus, like I've always been like 10 focuses, it, it really, really made sense. And then journalism um, was wicked. I mean, it's so funny. If you talk to kids now, I bet they still do this speech, okay? In, in year one, they do this whole thing where they've got this like got all the students in this massive lecture hall, and they like give you this huge hype speech about how it's amazing and you're there and it's like so tough to get in or whatever. And then um, they do the whole like look to your left, look to your right. One of those students is not going to be here next year. Like they make it really really tough to stay in the program. You have to keep really really high marks in the other um, parts of your study as well. And I was like. Okay, like, it's very dramatic, right? But of course, I also, so dramatic. Um, but I also, um, I am, I am weirdly competitive and I am a nerd. You know, people are like, I was such a nerd in school. Like, you were a nerd, straight up. I was, yeah. like, you were most fashionable, like, social nerd. <laughs> Like you weren't but, the you weren't the quintessential nerd like in the corner not talking to anybody, but you were you, know, you were a wordsmith and a nerd for sure. I, I'm so happy I have confirmation because some <laughs> people think I'm lying, like for for cred or like for some kind of no, um, wasn't cool. I was, um, but I was <laughs> but uh yeah I do I do like working hard so it wasn't like um, my university experience was like a lot of partying and all that stuff I mean um there was a little bit at the, like probably at the end I was like oh my god school's almost over ah, I better misbehave somehow um but I yeah I loved the program and it wasn't until I think third year that we did tv and I was like oh so there's performing involved and you get to write and you get to like talk to a million people and hear all these different perspectives and find the the gray between black and white and all these stories like I am sold um that's when I was like okay tv is I that's my lane I got it okay and were there any once you left well once you left did you have any mentors from Carlton that stayed with you or did they or did you just go well no I had um amazing teachers there amazing amazing teachers um line alum was one of those teachers i think he's retired now but um he taught television and 
trying to think who else was in my class. Rosie Barton from CBC was in my class. Um, Robin Bresnahan from CBC was in my class. Um, really, um, you know, when you feel like you're like you're the right fit for something and then someone looks at you and says, you got this. That's all you needed to hear. It's like you're off to the races once you just get that one, you know, thumbs up. One validation is like, yep, cool. It's really, it's really, really important. And, you know, my mom is a very, very positive person as well. And she's always like, you know, if you're thinking something nice about someone, why wouldn't you tell them? Like, maybe they need to hear it at that moment. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I take that with me a lot. And I appreciate when other people do that as well, because um, I think you need to be able to try to succeed on your own always. But it is immeasurable the benefit of people who believe in you and believe that you're going to succeed, even if they don't understand your decisions. I think that is really, really important. Um, You know, life throws a lot of teachers at you and not all of them are called teachers, you know? Um, Absolutely. I mean, too, right? So like true teachers who are able to mentor and coach and teach is a special combination. And they're not, it's not in everybody for sure. No. Um, And it's amazing when you see people who really have that calling Mm -hmm. and know what they're doing in terms of inspiring other people. And then there's like, um, there's like mentorship by osmosis. (laughs) Is that anything like- just by being in the room. Yeah, there's a lot you can, I'm a very observant person. There's a lot you can pick up by really, again, staying in the moment and looking at the people around you. Um, so my first job in TV, uh, I was in third year at University at Carleton and it was at CJOH, um, which is a local CTV affiliate here in Ottawa. And did the, did the program navigate that for you or did you- out- Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had, they had internships and weirdly, um, it was my second choice, CJOH, uh, but I didn't get my first choice. So this is when like, you know, what is it? Like the door closes and a window opens or something like that, but that's exactly what happened. Um, so the only window they had left for a week long internship was over the Christmas holiday, which is like, you know, when you're in school, you can't wait to go home for the holidays, whatever. It was the only one that was available. But like, I'm so grateful that that's what happened because, um, and I'm so grateful that, um, that that's where I ended up at CJOH anyway, because they really gave students such an amazing opportunity to file stories. And I think I filed three stories that week um, to television. You sign off and you say you're a Carleton, you know, university student, but because um, no one was there, right? So it was like, suddenly they have all this airtime to fill. It's like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, I worked with Kimothy Walker, who is incredible. Um, and then Max Keeping, uh, rest in peace, um, and Scott Hannett, they, uh, they offered me a job there a few, a few months later to do like weekends and nights and stuff. And of course I was like, yes. Um, and so I had, Kimothy Walker was an amazing mentor to me. And then there's like the osmosis kind uh, as well. So um, Kim Brunhuber was, uh, an anchor there at the time and he's at CNN now in Atlanta um, and 
walking in and seeing like a black guy just like be great and not like was no thing like you don't think about the ways in which that can expand he was at cbc right right? pardon me he was at cbc carrie is it carrie he was at cbc for many years Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah um and well you need those people that take you under the wing right like that's incredibly yeah. important like and it just and even if they don't take you under their wing that they see you and they're like you got you go ahead you know that's yeah. really helpful too i think yeah and um, they a little bit of space to be yourself and and encourage from the sidelines yeah no it's 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 incredible so after that experience is that when you started to get into entertainment and weather with with Ottawa, a channel? Well, you know, none of this is gonna make sense. I have a very weird career trajectory. Like there is no straight line. People are like, tell me the path. I'm like, honestly, <laughs> my path is like, oh. <laughs> um, But uh, no, I had a friend who was um, auditioning for this like crazy reality show he'd heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Jade. Uh, so we cut class, went to Montreal, we auditioned for the show. You cut class to audition for the Lofters? Listen. <laughs> Not encouraging kids to cut class, but you know, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Very two shoes. Um, yeah, so you can imagine this is a big Did deal for me. About it. Did you have any idea what this format was? Did you have any clue? You just- no, this was after the first um, Survivor and Big Brother and Amazing Race was just airing in the United States. When at this point, everybody watched it because it was a new thing. It was like, what is this reality TV? Like it was either, um, a fad that was gonna go away in a second, or it was like the end of every actor's career. Like at the moment, people couldn't really figure out whether it was good, bad, whatever. Um, and this one appealed to me though, because um, the concept was you live in a loft with seven other people in downtown Toronto, but you also are working on hosting these little internet shows. So, which is crazy because this was like before YouTube, before Facebook, before, um, you know, (laughs) right? Like people, millennials are like, what are you talking about, grandma? (laughs) My (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, so it appealed to me because I wanted, oh, sorry, what is that? One season with them? Say that again? One season with them? One season, yeah, which was one year. So the show was on for a year and a half. Um, so we did like the full season and it got canceled halfway through the second season, but it was really bold. It was really ahead of its time. Um, I wanted to get that experience doing arts and entertainment because up until then my reel was like really hard news and I knew it wasn't for me. Like I, I learned so much at CJOH again. I'm so incredibly grateful for my time there, but I knew it wasn't for me. Um, I covered um, a kid who got hit by a car skateboarding. And I was one of the first people on the scene. And I remember interviewing his best friend who had just seen his friend get taken away in an ambulance. And I was like, I'm not cut out for this. Like I did it and I'm like, I am, this is like hitting me much harder. I'm like, let me just go to my safe place, which is 
fun art stuff, right? Um, It takes a special personality to be able to become compassionate, composed in those situations. And it's like, all of us have those attributes in us, but to be in the situation and be able to pull it out is a whole different thing. Yeah, it's more like, because a lot of the aspects of news I really liked. I liked the rush of it. I liked the really quick deadlines and the fast turnover. I liked um, thinking really fast on your feet, like writing stories in on the drive back and then cutting it in like a crazy flurry and getting into air. I loved all that. Um, but emotionally, I was like, you have to shut off so much of yourself to be able to do a lot of this stuff. Like camping out so you can get a shot of this person who's accused of hurting people like that it just it was like not my spirit did not take to that at all like I think I could do it Mm -hmm. um and it was a great training but it wasn't where I wanted to be so here was this um here was this place I could just try some new stuff and also like reacquaint myself with Toronto I was I'm from Toronto right um I grew up at like Jane and Finch so I was around seven and then I moved to like the Bathurst and Finch area which is so North York's which is still the Burbs yeah. but it was not a downtown kid it's not I again you know I was a real nerd not like not like a big one a real one um so it was really fun to be able to live downtown Toronto and I think I think we got paid thirty thousand dollars let me tell you I was rich I was rich you couldn't, tell, you couldn't tell couldn't tell you nothing couldn't tell me no, well we didn't have to pay rent right so I was like this is you know if you're a student for so long suddenly you're like oh my god <laughs> you have all this like you know uh hanging around money um but it was a, a really really good education mm. also because I was very sheltered so it was very important I think to learn how to stand up for myself in ways I didn't really think about having to do before. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly, you know, that whole thing, like, you know, if you don't know who you are, like there's a ton of people who will line up to tell you who you are based on what they think about you or what they think you can do or your potential or, you know, the corner of, of your life that they know about or whatever. Um, I think I really had to figure out who I was based on what I was going to, fight for and I'm a pretty stubborn person (laughs) um so when people tell me I can't do something that's like that's that's the worst and best thing they can say it's gonna work out bad for you no (laughs) (laughs) I think um I think it was really important to find out that um yeah I, I wouldn't just do things because I was told to do things if they didn't make sense um so I think I, I came out of that experience much stronger. Um, I was a little bitter, I'm not gonna lie, at the, at the beginning. It's, it's a really hard thing to turn over your life and your reputation to other people who are making a show. And I think that's why I am so um, sympathetic and understanding um, and feel so much for people who play games like Big Brother because it is, you know, yes, it, it is a game for people who are very confident and, you know, if not narcissistic um, and all of that. But it is a really brave thing to really believe in yourself enough to put yourself out there and open yourself up to all this criticism. Like, I mean, 
also love and that's what you hope for but the criticism does come along with it and so it, I think it takes really strong people um and that's that's kind of how I felt I felt like I, I learned so much about myself and, and I came out stronger and you no said that, and you said that they did many internet uh internet shows within the show yeah, yeah. Was, it was like was this some foreshadowing? Were you a host for that? What What was your yeah, role? Yeah, yeah, it was like we did like a love and relationship show called Love Shack. And then we did like a house party show where I'd like, you know, try to fill the house with people because Tiesto was going to come like spin in our kitchen. And it was, it was really fun. Like, it, I'm not going to lie. Um, and, in, and weirdly enough, I ended up with some mentors out of that experience as well. Um, in what avenue? Um, well, Zev Shalev was one of the executive producers. And I'm, I'm telling you, like, there's something about your boss being able to, like, walk into your bedroom and wake you up that, like, makes you, like, not really a fan of said boss. Um, but then when the show was over, we ended up working together for years after and Fiorella Grossi, like we, I, it's funny how you can respect someone and, and even if you were in an experience that, um, where you know could have been more positive, mm -hmm. like you can still learn a ton from somebody else if you're willing to, if you're willing to sort of, one, keep your ears and eyes open, but two, forgiveness, I think is really important. Um, I think forgiveness is underrated. Um, yes. You know? <laughs> Humility, yes. <laughs> I think it's important to, you know when they say forgiveness is really for you and not for the other person? Mm -hmm. Like true, true forgiveness is, means that you can let this person move past this experience that you've shared together. Um, but you're doing it so that you also can move on from this thing because life is really short. Like we are on this planet for such a short amount of time mm -hmm. that, you know, you would, you would hate to see someone who could fly be like weighed down by like the baggage of like being hurt. Not everybody has the, the ability. Or the capacity, yeah. Or the capacity. If you are someone who has the capacity, um, use it and encourage other people to find it because that's, I think, the only way you can sort of keep your, your spirit free. And not everybody has that luxury. You know, some people have like deep pain that it, it's very hard to move past, you know? Um, so those mentors that came out of that show, did that carry you into your journey into um, E! News Weekend and CBS? Is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. Well, yeah, Zeb, I think he, he, he straight up called me and he's like, hey, um, so we're starting up E in Canada. Do you want to be the host? And it was like, hmm, yes, I do. That's incredible. Yeah. Who would have? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like some, and again, it, it takes a village. It's not just one person who's like, yeah, I see that you get it or whatever. Um, but Barb Williams, who was his like executive, uh, production executive at the time too, I'd worked with her on Lofters and, um, that's why it's like a, you know, when interns are young people ask for help and I'm like, okay, take any internship you can 
and then knock it out of the park, do all the things. Don't burn the bridge. Don't burn the bridge, impress the bridge. Make the bridge go. <laughs> Make the bridge a little higher. To the birds, it's great. <laughs> you steady that foundation. Yeah, it comes back. Because when people work hard, you want to, that's the person you want to call and say, hey, I just heard about this opportunity. Are you, are you interested? Or do you think you can meet with them? Or I might, I think you would be good for that. And um, at CBC- you know, There's a panel of people, like a, a, a entire room full of people who are making that decision. But if you have a few people in your corner saying, no, she's perfect for this. Yeah. You know, it matters. And I think I, at CBC, I remember, we had always a constant stream of interns and it was very clear who you would want to call after. It wasn't like, hmm, it was like, oh, remember? Remember her, remember him, and it was easy. So hmm. I think you have to remember that. You should always be trying your best. It sounds, it's so basic, but you should be trying your best at all times. You never know where anybody ends up. Um, plus you feel good. like. I think, you know, as, um, I think that's the case for maybe journalism and TV too, but especially artists who, who deal with like imposter syndrome. The best way to fight imposter syndrome is actually working your ass off. Cause then, yep. right? Yep. Cause then when things happen, when, when, when those amazing moments happen, you're like, oh yeah, I like worked so hard for this. Yeah. And it helps you to be able to um, enjoy it and be grateful and work even harder. All of those things. Yeah, it makes those, it keeps those doors just slightly open for you. That mm -hmm. hard, like, and then it gets a little nudge and then they slam it down and then you're in. Like, but it does, like it absolutely does. It doesn't, because those, those windows and doors will shut super quick if you're not willing to work for it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been working in Canada my whole life. Mm -hmm. Now, you have worked, you know, all over the US and around the world. And, you know, for you, I'm sure it feels like almost provincial. Like Canada is a very small scene. And even within Canada, like the Toronto scene is even smaller. And the, then the journalism scene is really small and the art scene. Um, everybody. It's not six degrees here. It's like two degrees. One degree. <laughs> two. Yeah. You mean one. It's like and you. Our, <laughs> our, our orbits overlap probably a thousand and one different ways. Not even just that, you know, our parents knew each other. And I think I met you when you were like a day old or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like it um, that can be that can be a good thing. I'm sure that can be a bad thing too when it feels like. Um, if you if you've burned those bridges or you haven't worked hard like and we you know there's that saying about failing forward right you can't be perfect in every situation but what I for me what I've always said is did I do my best mm -hmm. um did I fail with grace mm -hmm. and if someone was to look at my failure would they say but she's the hardest worker you'll ever have she might not have been great at that job, but was she the hardest worker you have? And if the answer is yes, then I've done then I've done what I needed to do, right? Because I might not have been great at that job, but like, you know what? That didn't fit her, but I absolutely think this will, and you'll, no one will work harder than she will. And that's all you can do, right? Listen, you probably don't know how many 
people in your orbit look to you as a, as a mentor too, whether or not you were like on the phone with them saying, here's what your next career, you know, move should be, but watching somebody go for it, like just go for it, like shoot for the moon. I mean, granted you also have this like insane talent, um, um, for the arts, for dance, for movement, for performance, all of that. But um, you there's, never. There's a level of. Froze there for a second. Oh no. No, you're, you're back. Oh no, that's my baby. <laughs> oh no. No, no, hold on. Because I have a. <laughs> My baby monitor, hold on. Okay, maybe you just rolled over. A little wiggle, a little wiggle. I love it. Good. Um, yeah, you never know who you're impacting and you never know what impact you're making on other people. And that's that's the thing, right? And, and it, it for me, with shining the light on you, you obviously made an impact. For them to call you and just be like, it's like, it's like a, a director or a writer writing a script with that person in mind. The show came up and they went, oh, we have the person. If, she's, if she wants it, we have the person, right? Not you somewhere along the line in that year, you made that impact. And speaking of impact, <laughs> let's talk about Big Brother. What, how, who made the call? Was it something that you were like, yes, or were you like, mm, I don't know. Um, Big Brother like really came out of left field, um, to be honest. Um, I had just moved to Edmonton um, with my husband and I had two kids at the time, I have three now. Um, and it was a casting agent that I had worked with at another job. I was an associate producer on this uh, wedding disaster show. And I sat near um, this amazing woman, Heather Muir, who was doing a bunch of casting for, for Cineflix. And we got to talking and like, she's an amazing person. And when this job came around, um, she contacted my agent at the time and was like, hey, how come I don't see this is real? She'd be perfect for this. Um, and then, so he's like, oh, well, she just moved to Edmonton. And she's like, well, ask her. And then he did. And I was like, uh, super cool. I was on a reality show a million years ago, but I completely understand like the mentality of what it takes to do something like this. Yeah. And um, so that's how that happened. It was like, a, you know, I happened to be in Toronto when they were doing the real, like, you know, sit down auditions. And I got to talk to... Um, so funny because they're women who I've worked with now for years, um, but it was Sue Brophy and Aaron Brock, who are um, executive producers. Aaron is the showrunner now, Sue has since retired, but um, I was like, I love it. I get it. This is so fun. It's so interesting. Um, the psychological aspect of it, the sociological aspect of it. Um, and then also the humor of it, the fun of it, the fact that it's this international brand and it's in all these different countries um, and all the hosts are different and all the shows have a different flavor. Um, 
I was all about it. And when I got that call, it was like, you know, terrifying because we weren't living in Toronto. We were living in Edmonton. I was like, if you say yes, this is like a lot so to handle. Not, that's months, that's months out of the year that you're gone, right? Yeah. It's, it's, um, but again, I like, if you know how you sometimes you you have a job or you do a thing and you're like oh yeah like I might be made for this thing that's how I feel and when you love something it shows and people want you know people want to see other people really enjoying what they're doing and that's me like I I feel so fortunate to be able to stand on a stage and experience a show as interesting as Big Brother from the inside and the outside because I'm part of it, but I watch it like I'm not, you know, I watch it like I'm a fan at home. And because it's a show that you can really get into, um, you know, it's on three times a week, but there's also live feeds and there's also all this other content. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes there's an after show. Um, and then, you know, when this one's done, oh, that's okay. The UK is, is coming. Oh no, Australia's, oh, the US one's on. Oh, Nigel's not oh, wicked. Like, there's always something happening in the Big Brother world. And um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And again, I could probably name like 10 people on the show that I consider mentors because a mentor isn't just teaching you one thing. A mentor is teaching you multiple things. And if you have a lot of that, like incredible, almost data coming in from other people and that inspiration coming from other people that like, really just turns up what you've got if you're again willing to listen and, and watch and observe and are interested and curious in all the pieces that make um, something as awesome as it is um, and at the time I think when it started um, you know I'm not Julie Chen and a lot of um, Canadians who watch Big Brother we got used to watching the U.S. version right so um, so here comes me <laughs> and I like I dropped that pretense right away it was like I, I, I'm not gonna be somebody else I can't be somebody else even if I tried to be mm -hmm. so I'm just gonna do me and then hopefully I'll be accepted um and mm -hmm. I got a, I mean I got a lot of that first year it was like <laughs> you know but then again if you love it yeah if you like, if you're a viewer and you love it and you can tell the host loves it, it's a, such a, it's a fun experience, you know? So, um, I think I, I'm very, very blessed to work with, um, the people that I work with at Insight and, um, John Brunton, um, who was the head of that company with his sister who has since retired. Um, I think he really, he really saw the, the love I had for the show and, for the concept and I love a crowd and you're a performer. Well, yeah. It's kind of weird. It, may, yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> yeah, and there's I mean you're being yourself, but there's also that like energy you get from a live studio audience that you get. Oh. I know, awesome. that you, I know that you entertain them and you sing and you have all this fun during commercial breaks that people don't get to see. Like there is an aspect of performance and presence and energy that you're getting from that. And which is why I think, you know, we can go down a rabbit hole, but it's like why I know live art won't die because there's, you can't replace that. 
feeling for everybody from the performers for you being a host feeling that audience feeling it back like it just there's nothing like it and so you know when you love it I'm sure it doesn't feel like you're going to work when you go to the which is of course it can be very annoying because people you know see how much I enjoy it they're like I can tell you're not working and I'm like (laughs) no I work very hard to not work and love what I I do Um, yeah, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're good at something, you make it look easy. And it's only easy because like, I work with incredible people who are like constantly elevating the game. And, you know, now as an executive producer, right, there's four others. Um, Let me say that again. She's now an executive producer and still host for Big Brother Canada. Let's just listen. listen. This... So let's dive deep. Okay. What? So... I know that you produced, you know, creative producer, associate producer, you've had like multiple titles in that space. Mm-hmm. Was this something that you always wanted with Big Brother Canada? I know it's something that you wanted as a, a career, as part of your, your legacy, but mm-hmm. did you see it ever happening with Big Brother Canada? And, and what, what, who moved, who moved the mountains? Who moved, who pushed to the left? On a show like ours, again, with such an incredible ensemble of people from um, our showrunner, Aaron, and our supervising producer and our, uh, you know, kind of challenges, and then the um, production executives and the network, like, it's all these amazing people working together, and everybody has kind of been, like, elevated, and our show, year after year, I mean, this is Canadian television, we didn't know if we were going to get a second season. Yep. We didn't know if we were going to get a third season. That is a thing. We didn't know if we were going to get a fourth or a fifth or a seventh. We almost didn't get a sixth. On to right. nine. What's that? We're on to nine, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, nine season? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I think, um, like anything, you get to know something better. You get to know people better. You get to understand the brand better and, and what we can do to fine tune and make it better and better and better. And I think that's... Um, I don't know. I don't think I ever was like, and then my master plan is that, da, da, da. but I think, you know, slowly but surely year after year, you know, you're like, you get more confident in terms of what you could bring to the table. And what's great is, um, you know, diversity isn't something that I feel like was um, a huge problem on our show. I think we actually started out very diverse and it was like yeah but we can do even better Mm. like we have this massive show that you know stars real people and we're telling these real stories and why not really go for it and address some of the things that have been sort of on the darker edges of reality TV uh, Mm. for a long time. Mm. And a lot of conversations um, that happened in terms of racial justice uh, over the summer, I think, you know, and a lot of um, black people and indigenous people and people of color also experienced this where it felt like suddenly like someone published the group chat, you know, (laughs) like, these are the conversations that if you are 
right? If, if yeah. you are, oh, hold on, let me just, uh, maybe monitor, let me hold on. Um, yeah, suddenly all these conversations were being had by people that weren't, um, people who were used to being like the one in the room or one of two in the room or what have you. Um, and it was really beautiful to see these conversations bloom and people think about things differently. And embrace because, it. Yeah, like pe people were in the streets protesting and it wasn't like, it wasn't like these crowds were all black or all people of color, like people, got it in ways that I, I, I assumed would like, would never get it. Like, I, you know what I mean? And suddenly everyone's having these conversations and, and, and trying to do better. And it was like, let's go, you know, let's go. And I have the most amazing team to do that with, like from, from the showrunner to our casting agent to the people who know how important our show could be to young people um, who, you know, are the ones who are watching our show primarily. So I, I listen, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited because it seems like there's this wave happening and we're part of that wave and I want to see where it goes. Um, because I think this is how I think about it. Imagine, um, imagine uh, there was a show, Big Brother, say, and it was all men, right? And then, you know, one day, you know, just a lot, there's a lot of women around. Maybe we, should put, maybe we should put a couple of women in the cast. And it's like, okay. So there's like 14 out of 16. And it's like, okay. And then next year you're like, you know what, like, this is kind of, this is kind of cool. Like it's a different perspective on stuff. Okay, well, maybe we have a couple more, a couple more. In a, in a numbers game like Big Brother, it's really important that, that you're not immediately placed in a group that's separate from the big group. Um, the key is personalities, listen, people who are really good Big Brother players are gonna thrive anywhere, no matter who's in the cast, all of that. But how amazing would it be to sit down and show Canada this incredible texture and, and all these different experiences and rural, urban, black, indigenous, white, LGBTQ, like, what would happen? Guess what? It'd be a wicked show. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to make a wicked show first. And I think that's what happens when you like mash all these really interesting people together. Um, and I'm, I could not be more excited. I'm thrilled. That's amazing. And I mean, and as a producer, you're making space for this to happen. Like that is, that is the blessing that comes out of that position, right? Because now you have the ability to actually be like, yeah, let's let's embrace, truly embrace everybody, right? Yeah. And again, you can't you can't do that unless you have incredible partners who get it no. too, and who, um, who want it, who truly want it. Yeah, uh, and I think you know you always fear. Okay, well, what if what if people are telling you what you want to hear? Mm. Um, 
but that's not the case here. Like we have some incredible creative minds who are behind some of the biggest and best, um, you know, unscripted shows in the country. And, you know, when they go for something, they like, they go for like level 10 always. Um, so I'm really, really proud to work there. And I'm really proud of all of those people that have mentored me throughout the years there as well. And um, what you said about creating space, that that is the most important. Someone created space for me. Someone saw me and said, okay, she can do this thing. Mm -hmm. And I want more people to feel like they also can do that thing. Like people are more willing to help than not help. Um, Absolutely. So do you have an ultimate space maker, like somebody that's been in your life this entire time that is always making space for you? That is always that. Um, this is going to be super corny, man, but okay, it's never corny. Okay. I've, I have to do a quick shout out to my parents um, because my mom was um, the director of a daycare center at York University for like my entire life, basically. Um, and she was so beloved by so many people. Like it was, this is a huge daycare. So all the kids that went through that over 25 years and all the um, teachers who worked there in ECEs and all the parents who had kids um, who came through there. Um, I watched my mother be a leader, but leaving with love and grace and fun and laughter. Um, she really cared about people and um, she really encouraged me. And again, I was, I'm, I'm a self-starter. Like she didn't have to be like, oh, show me that test. I'd be like, oh, let me show you my test, right? <laughs> um, but I picked up so much from her um, in terms of being um, a woman in charge and but not letting the in charge part take over everything. Like, um, you know, people should Trini, true Trini, right? And then I'm gonna throw it to my dad, also a true Trini. You know, he can, he can rock with these high up people at the UN and like also with, you know, these young kids playing soccer in Nairobi. Like he, he's had such a, incredible international life and he's an artist and I learned so much from him too about um not judging people and really being who you are no matter where you are mm -hmm. um and then for my stepmom um Elizabeth who uh, my uh, Elizabeth and my dad have been married for many 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 years and she was also an incredible mentor um, she was at the UN environmental program for many years in Nairobi and in Washington and she's retired now, but don't tell her that she's still taking all kinds of stuff, all kinds of contracts, but <laughs> somebody who lives this international life and has never seen like a challenge that they won't take on. Um, these are people who I call and talk to all the time, even though it's a different business, even though I'm in television and um, and I've been in journalism and all these things. Like, I think leadership is leadership. Leadership is leadership and guts are guts. Mm -hmm. And people who know people know people. Like, I don't mean know their names and know their connections, but know, um, like understand 
uh, people's motivations and incentives. I think you can learn a lot from people who just get people. Um, and the trainees, the trainees get people. They do, they do. <laughs> so, crazy question for you. And it's just a random one, but I'm always curious about like the little things that like inspire people. Do you have a totem? So I have a totem, like there's a symbol in my life that I see and I know that good things happen that I carry around with me all the time. And it's something that I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, whether you believe well, what is it. Yeah. What is it? It's a totem. Oh, I can tell you that secret. Tell you my totem then. But do you have a symbol or a spirit being that you is like a guiding force for you. Like for some people it's God, for some, you know, everyone's answered this question um, differently. So I'm curious mm -hmm. if you have something that you cherish like that, that you take with you. Well, I, I, I don't have, I don't have something physical. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I am one of those annoying people who considers herself spiritual. Uh, so I have my own sort of journey through, through religion. Um, my husband is Muslim, so we have all these like amazing conversations. And um, for me, though, the way I think about God is 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 my ancestors. That's what I do think about. Um, I think about, I, and I think it's a really, really positive force because the more I think about it, the less I ever feel like you know what was me. I think, um, you know, when they say like, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams, that's how I feel. Um, and it really does eat away at, at doubt um, and fear. Nice. Thinking of all of the people that came together to make you who you are at this moment in time for the sliver of time on earth. Um, and, and what things they may have gone through mm -hmm. and survived and thrived through. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel like when, when, when you feel like you've got blessings upon you, like that's who I feel is sending them. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes I say the universe, sometimes I say God, sometimes I say the ancestors, but to me, it's all part of this one thing, right? This like, this flow of positivity that um, you know, really is at the heart of human beings. And I, I don't necessarily think humans are, are um, all good or, or even neutral. I'm not even sure I believe any of that. <laughs> I kind of feel like we are born in two different structures, different places in the world, different times. Um, and It's up to us to do things better. And it's human nature is it's a tough thing. Like if we were born 400 years ago, what would our lives have been like? And who would we have been? And would we have been the same? I think about that a lot. Um, but I, yeah, so I don't, I don't have a physical totem, but I definitely feel, um, presence yeah i feel i feel like i feel like the force my my son who loves star wars would be so proud of me be like mom i'm a jedi i'd be like i know <laughs> <laughs> what is your 
best bad decision, that decision that you're like, I shouldn't do this, but I do. And it turned out to be the best thing you could have possibly done for yourself. Oh, um, well, I can't tell if it's going on a reality show when I was trying to, and my mom was like begging me not to do it. Like, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, so I think it was, um, you locked it. Saying, yeah, yeah, I'll take, I'll take a year off, you know, my final year of university to this crazy show. Um, and then afterwards, I promised my mom, okay, but if I do this, I will go back to school and finish my last semester. Mm -hmm. so I went back to finish my last semester. And I met my husband. So well, I'm really glad I went back. Um, even though to this day, Kathy, I am one half credit short of graduating from Carleton University School of Journalism. I have been for the last almost 20 years. <laughs> you should get it on there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that in the universe for you. <laughs> Can you imagine saying anything like more horrifying to a West Indian parent? Um, no. I've for four years, but I'm not actually gonna give you the piece of paper that's like, oh my gosh, I had to, I, I might never live that one down. The, the only thing I have to show for it is that I was working and that's kind of why I wasn't able to go back and finish because I was constant, I was working in the field that I was studying for. So that's the only reason I'm kind of not, you know, deceased right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a significant fork in the road? Like that time where you're like, do I go right, left? And man, there was lots of those. Hmm. I think. Anytime you, anytime you were like, I'm done. I'm just done. I'm done with it all. Um, well, I was like that after that show. After after the show, I was like, I'm never doing to I'm never doing on air again. And then like, whatever, six months later. <laughs> like, I'll try that one. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I when I moved to Edmonton, I was like, I'm gonna take a, I may find something else completely different to do. Um, mm. And even before that, um, after um, E wrapped up in Canada, we were bought out and, and, mm -hmm. and so the show I was on, E News Weekend ended. Um, I almost moved to LA, like I was gonna be a screenwriter. I was gonna start from scratch again. And then um, my husband and I, uh, we, we, we got pregnant, we, I got pregnant. Um, it does take two. So cute. <laughs> but really um and and it was like okay this is not the time to really like start a new career that is going to require an insane amount of hours you start anything you're gonna you know work probably more insane hours at the beginning than you would near the end of your career um so i mean i'm always writing um i write sci-fi i'll never stop um i may publish and may not and may like just sit on some cool stuff that i created what's that she'll publish you just need some time y'all she's no publish i mean <laughs> i mean i might need some time but like it's it's weird i have um yeah i have a lot of things that i really enjoy doing creatively whether or not they go anywhere and i think also having kids has like turned that up in me because i love creating with them and um, everything I do is with them in mind. I want them to be proud of me, but I want them to 
find that thing that makes them glow, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then I see sometimes my, some of myself in them or some of my husband in them or my mom or my dad. And it's like, it's so exciting seeing these little minds grow and, and try to discover what they want to do. Um, and then in some ways I'm like, I mean, I'm not gonna be able to help them with everything. My, my career, as, I, as we've said, has never been a straight line. It's, you know, gone all over the place. And, and so do I have like great advice for someone who wants to take a like a path, like uh, med school and you gotta do this and then you gotta be an engineer. Like I can't really help with that kind of career. Um, but hopefully I can arm them with um, a real sense of self um, and humility and selfless, selflessness and all of those things that make really good humans because before you were a career person, you're a human and hopefully you know, that's actually you don't lose, you lose your humanity along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, listen, the world is it can be a crazy place, man. Absolutely. It can be a really, really hard place. So hopefully you arm them with a with a very strong backbone because you can only, you know, control what you can control. It's not much. We're getting reminded of that all the time. Daily. You know, um, so and anything, anything that you can't control really is teaching you how to let go. And I've been thinking about that a lot as well um, over the past weeks and months, because um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from what we're living through right now. It's so unique. Um, and so, and also, you know, my heart goes out to all the people who are having a hard time getting through this. Are having a rough time getting through this for any number of reasons, for people who you know, who they've, uh, you know, people who've lost people and will never, will never hug those people again, will never have those conversations. Um, and the people who, yeah, it's really, really hard to be working at home and your kids are at home learning. And the people who are lonely, mm -hmm. um, and the people who are um, surrounded by too many people, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I think this is a really a time to be compassionate um, for our, for those around us who are who are making it through this weird this weird time, um, and I want to believe it's making us better as as humans. But <laughs> speaking of making it better, did you have a tough love mentor? So like a Simon Cowell, a Gordon Ramsay, and Anna Winter in your life at any point in your career? Did you have that person? Someone who was super harsh on me. Um, that person that was like, nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> Try that again. That's probably my sister, honestly. I have a, that's probably my big sister. She's, um, shout out to Trisha. Mm -hmm. She's uh, very honest and you need those people. You need those people in your life. Um, especially because, you know, like, especially if you're, if you're in the public eye or whatever, people have good reasons to be nice to you, but you don't know if they're nice to other people. You know, you can't tell if they're actually nice people sometimes. Um, but it's really important that you have people around you that can like tell you that, um, you know, you're not as great as you think you are because the second you get high on your own supply, you are in trouble. Um, everybody knows people who have. Uh, so yeah, I think that would be my sister. Like, it's weird. I, like, unfortunately, so many of the, the mentors in my life have been people in my family for all kinds of different reasons. But, um, 
That's great. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah, no, no, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Or blessed. Or... Yeah. Um, it, so, harsher question. Is there, was there a moment or someone that taught you about betrayal in the industry? Oh, yeah. Again, when I, when I talked about being on um, that reality show, I really did learn how to stand up for myself. I learned how, I learned how stubborn I can be. Mm. Um, and I remember I had a friend in that era who I really thought was my, I really thought this person was my friend. And- Posty status. What's that? Like bestie status? No, no, not, not bestie status, but, but somebody who had my best interest at heart. And then I found out that like, not only was that not the case, but this person like actively disliked me and um, I don't know, it's not like sabotage, but just when you don't expect it, like it hurts more. If it's someone that you know you don't vibe with, no big deal. You, you can tell when someone generally doesn't like you or, or if you don't, you know, you can't hang with them or whatever, that's fine. But it's when you think that you have something with someone and you find out that that's not true. Um, or if that person's ridiculing you behind your back or calling you names, all of that, that was very educational. <laughs> I'm not the type to, I'm also not the type to like cry and moan about it either. It's just, I like to know. And if I know, then it's like, ah, okay. So it was, it was a good lesson. It was a good lesson. Again, I'm, I love people so much. I love that's why I love journalism. I love talking to strangers and I love talking to people know, I know and getting deeper. Um, and it was just a good reminder that, you know, not everyone is going to have um, your best interests at heart. So you do have to, you have to keep some kind of guard up. But then again, I also think that I wouldn't have had the blessings I've had in my life had I had uh, my guard up the whole time. I'm a really open person. Um, and that's changing a little bit just by nature of getting older and having more to protect mm-hmm. right um but hopefully that's something that i'll never fully lose because i'm known to have incredibly deep conversations with randoms that i meet all the time <laughs> so hopefully that never changes yeah and those conversations have like been impactful and have actually opened up doors for you so don't stop having conversations yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, did I, it's like, did I ever tell you about that time when I was on a plane from, where was I? I think I was flying from LA to San Francisco and then I was gonna go um, back to Canada and I ended up being on the plane because I had this really interesting person and uh, we ended up talking. Uh, his name is Nilo Rodas, uh, was someone who worked on the original Star Wars worked at EA games, was working on this crazy new game. He's like, we're working, we're looking for a writer. Oh, I write, oh really, what kind of stuff? Pull out my, the project I was working on, he looks at it, okay, okay. I ended up being a consultant for EA games in Vancouver and Montreal, like randomly, from a random conversation at the right time. Like 
the universe is oh is full of like these weird magic mysterious moments like that mm -hmm. uh, that if you're really really open you can experience so i yeah i, I never i never want to change that because um this life can be really really harsh in a lot of ways but it can be so beautiful and amazing in other ways too um awesome. and and listen my life is is richer because you're in it so i'm glad i'm glad <laughs> you and i are here Kathy. i listen you know how much i love you and admire you for from time so from time so yes no absolutely um and my last lovely question for you is, but I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you anyway. Who are you making space for now? Um, well, I am making space for young people who, who are looking for a way into this strangely changing industry. Mm. Um, I'm here for black women. I'm here for, I'm here for creators and creative people. Um, I'm here for LGBTQ. It's so crazy that it was in the news. It was like the 20th anniversary of the first legal gay marriage in Canada. And I was there. I covered that for the lofters. Um, and like, I remember how special that moment was. I can't believe it's been 20 years. Um, and ultimately I'm here for, I'm here for my kids. I, I want, I want this world to be a better place for them. I don't want them to grow up with so much anxiety over, like, think about it. I mean, when we were kids, it was like, okay, if there was the, the global warming was like, was like a thing, but it was really, it was like ozone layer and like rainforest. Yeah. It was like acid rain, ozone yeah. layer. Oh, acid rain. Right. It's a cycle. Um, <laughs> But like indigenous uh, First Nations people was in there somewhere, you know. But yeah, yeah. There, was, there was lots uh, um, of like unease about the future, but not like what young people are experiencing now, or they're like, mm -hmm. all of the coastal cities will be gone in fifteen years. Like it's 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 a lot <laughs> emotionally, mentally, all of that. Um, so I think it it's something we have to do. We have to take care of the planet we have to take care of the people in it and we have to manage to do both, but we don't let the, those pieces of paper get in the way of what we know we really have to do, you know? Um, so yeah, that I, I'm, I'm here for, I'm here for, I mean, also here for justice. I would like to see some justice. I would like, to not have to say Black Lives Matter because right now we keep seeing proof that that it, they don't matter or Indigenous lives don't matter and I'm over that um, they matter so um, yeah that's where I'm at. we will always make space for that Marissa <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for for taking your time out for your. Uh, putting your child to, to bed so you could talk to me. <laughs> oh, he's such a, he's so cooperative. <laughs> he is so cooperative. I adore him already. Uh, <laughs> well, my friend, um, someone that I admire and someone that I'm blessed to know and have been a big fan for a long time. Stop it. 
Thank you. Thank you. Same, 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 same. This is amazing. The series that you're doing, I can't wait to listen to all of the other interviews and watch them and learn from them and get to know people. And you know full well, like this could have been a nine parter. There's about, even right now, there's about 30 people who I'm like, wait, but I didn't say their name yet. Oh my God, how come I didn't say Elena Banks? How come I didn't say Tamara Seminole? How come I didn't say Tracy Moore? How come I didn't say all the people that really, you know, rock my world on the daily? Um, but uh, no, there's a lot of amazing people out there. And I'm so glad you're talking to so many of them because you're amazing yourself. So thank you so much for this. Thank Thank you so much for tuning in to Spacemakers. And thanks to my guest, Marissa Cox. And remember, there is no such thing as self-made. No matter the story, there is always that one integral character who leveraged their success, luck, confidence, positivity to create opportunities for folks coming up in their shadow. We call these special souls the Spacemakers. I'm your host, Kathy Pierre. This podcast was produced by Shannon McDease.